Welcome to the Grace Long Beach Podcast, a series of sermons from our weekly Sunday gathering. For more information on our church community, values, and service times, please visit www.gracelb.org. Thanks for listening. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. Today's reading is John 20, 24 through 29. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I love the text of John 20 because it's it's so human. It's so beautiful. And I think much of the beauty is in its humanity. And so as we kind of consider doubt, let us consider Thomas and how Jesus interacts with Thomas in his doubt. And you'll see a painting behind me. It's an early 17th century painting by the artist Caravaggio, and it's called The Incredulity of St. Thomas. And I'm just going to let it be back there, and you can just let your eyes kind of go up to it, because it's so visceral, and I think this text is so visceral. About 10 years ago, when I was um, doing high school ministry, uh, I I remember there was this evening when we were were meeting at this house and we were outside and there was this student who had been coming and um, kind of a professed atheist and had all these questions about faith, but he loved the community, so he just continued to to come and and, and to be there. And um, there was this one night we were, and I can't even remember what we were talking about, but it really just instigated some good conversation, and and so he started asking questions about God, right, and about things, like, well, what do you, what about things like evolution, or, 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 or or timing of, of, of how things worked out, and, and, and people in the group gave him responses, and, and kind of, he was satisfied, but you can tell he was getting frustrated, just continuing with the questions, but they were all addressed in an appropriate way, and he's like, okay, but here's the deal. How do I make sense of the fact that my mom died of cancer and that there is a God. How does that connect? What do I do with that? And as I think about that high school student, I think about Thomas, as Jason described Thomas, as this one whose hopes were crushed, the one whose assumptions about his own life and his own people put to death on the cross. I mean, why wouldn't he doubt? Why wouldn't he wonder what it is 
he is supposed to do now. But in the text, we see that Jesus comes to Thomas. And he comes to each of the characters in the way that they need him to. He comes to Mary, who is weeping by the tomb. And the person whom she thought was the gardener is in fact the Son of God. And he speaks her name. And she says, my teacher. Jesus comes to the disciples who are behind locked doors. And it's, the text is pretty clear that, we, that they want us to know that they were behind locked doors. As it mentions it twice to suggest that they are in fear for their lives. Because their lives are connected to Jesus. But yet Jesus comes to the disciples and breathes upon them the Spirit. And then even now, in his doubt, Jesus comes to Thomas. And it's really interesting because in the text of John, Thomas is referred to as the twin. Yet there's no specific mention of who his sibling might be. Well, perhaps we're all the twins of Thomas. Perhaps he is our twin. Can you relate to Thomas? Is he perhaps your twin in his doubt? Because for Thomas, on that Easter morning, there is this gap between what he expected and what he thought and what he actually experienced. And I would imagine, given all the different stories that are represented here this morning, that there is a gap for some of you as well. How is it that I am supposed to believe in this life that we sing about and that we proclaim, given my experience and what I see and what I touch? How? Does that make sense? Our world is a world still ravaged by hatred and racism, assault and violence. Perhaps you and your family have been touched by death with the loss of a spouse or a child or someone you love and they're still gone. Perhaps your marriage is fractured. Your relationship with your child is still strained. Your relationship with your parent is strained. You're still addicted. You're still drowning in a sea of depression and anxiety. You're still lonely. Like Thomas, perhaps you feel like there's a gap between what you're supposed to experience on Easter morning and what your life actually feels like. And here's the good news that is presented to us in John 20 is that wherever you are is where Jesus comes to you. Wherever you might be in your doubt is where Jesus comes to you. Like Thomas who says, I won't believe until I see the wounds and the scars of Jesus. Jesus appears again behind locked doors and presents himself and says, here are my wounds, here are my scars. Put your fingers here, which in the Greek is a little more visceral. Thrust your fingers into my wounds on my hands. Thrust your hand into my side. Touch my wounds and my scars. And the only appropriate response that Thomas could give to such an encounter, and we're not told if he actually did touch the wounds and scars of Jesus, but he encountered Christ and the only thing he could say is, my Lord and my God. Which is the only appropriate response to the risen Lord. 
And what Easter morning is about is an encounter with the risen Christ. And what this text suggests is that Jesus bridges the gap between what you believe and what you think, or what you're supposed to believe and what you think, and what you actually believe and what you think. Between what you, what you want to experience, the new life, and yet the life or the death and the violence that you see around you, you aren't the one who needs to cross that gap to be close to Jesus. Instead, Jesus is the one who comes to you. The resurrected Lord is the one who defeated death and moves, moves toward you, where you might be this morning. I remember six and a half years ago, I went through my own time of, of loss, and, um, and it was actually a time when I was on staff as a pastor, I was working in, in middle school ministry, uh, and I remember, I remember it was just hard to reconcile kind of what the world felt like to me and what I was supposed to be talking about. And, and I remember there being a time when I was just, I, I was thinking on a Sunday morning, um, and pastors aren't supposed to think this, but I thought on Sunday morning, I think I would be fine to just not go to church again. And it freaked me out. And I was really grateful that I had to go to church But I remember calling some friends, and I said, I, I just need to talk. Like, I, we just need to meet. Um, and I didn't know what I was going to say, but we, we met in, this, in my friend's backyard, like around a fire, and I just started, I just started telling them, I, I don't know, I don't know about this. Here's the pain that I feel. Here's what I'm supposed to actually think and believe. And there's somehow a gap between the two things. And my friends spoke words of encouragement to me, and they prayed with me. And the interesting thing was the pain wasn't gone. The loss wasn't necessarily gain. But I couldn't deny Jesus was alive because I saw him in the very faces of my friends, and I heard him in the very words that they spoke over me. See, the way of perhaps encountering Christ, the resurrected living Christ, is to say, here is where I am. Here is what I need from you. And the surprise of Easter morning is that perhaps Jesus will meet you there. Because Jesus, my friends, is alive. So I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know where your faith is. I don't know why you're doubting. I don't know the loss and the sadness and the pain that undergirds that doubt. I don't know what that is. But here's what I do know. Is that Jesus wants to come to you there. What I do know is that perhaps not even in spite of your doubt, but through it, is where you will have a fresh encounter with the risen Lord. You say, Jesus, unless I see the wounds in your hands and the wounds in your side, and unless 
I can put my finger there, will I believe, and Jesus will come to you and present himself. Say, touch my hands, touch my side. And that will give us an opportunity to say, my Lord and my God. And so in closing, I want you to consider something about Jesus for a moment as he's presented in John chapter 20. That resurrection life, and here's the mystery, does not negate or somehow erase the wounds and the scars of Jesus. But it's in fact through the very wounds and scars that Thomas believes. See, resurrection life for us, being a people defined by Easter, does not mean that we are people without scars and without wounds. But the good news of Easter is that somehow through the resurrection of Jesus and attaching ourselves to the life of Christ, that those wounds and scars tell a very different story. Not one of death, but one of being raised from the dead. And perhaps Jesus coming to Thomas gives us some insight into how and what it means to be an Easter people in the world. To be a people not without wounds, not without scars, but to be a people who bears witness to the wounded and scarred Jesus through our wounds and our scars, to tell the good news that though we have these wounds, though we have these scars, we have not been defeated, we have not been consumed by death, we have been raised again to new life. Jesus is the one whom Henry Nouwen refers to as the wounded healer. And perhaps our calling as a people, defined by Easter, by the life of Jesus, are to be wounded healers in the world. To take our scars and our wounds and even our doubts, to present them to the world, so that through them Jesus might tell the story of his resurrection so that through them Jesus might breathe upon the world new life. So that what once may have been a story about death becomes a story about resurrection life. And perhaps as we do that, people will then respond, My Lord and my God. The story of Easter... The story of Jesus meeting us in our circumstances, in our doubts, is a story of hope. It's a story of life. Not in spite of where we are, but perhaps through where we are. So thanks be to the resurrected Lord who has defeated death and comes to us wherever we are to breathe upon us his new life.